Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for this Thursday, October 14th. Monday, October 18th is Municipal Election Day here in Calgary. And with just days before we vote, we talked with Dwayne Bratt, Professor of Political Science at Mount Royal University, to get some insight into how the race for Calgary's top job is playing out for the 27 mayoral candidates. October 10th through the 16th has been declared Women in STEM Week by the Alberta government. We talked with Whitney Isaac, Associate Minister of Status of Women, about an announcement by the province to provide $125,000 in school scholarships for women pursuing careers in science, technology, engineering and math. To handle future crises and deal with rapidly changing workplaces, Canada needs a well-trained public service. This morning, Eddie Gillis, CEO of the Professional Institute for the Public Service, explained how the government is making that happen. And would you know what to do if someone went into cardiac arrest right in front of you? We talked to a man who sprang into action to help a fellow hockey player who suffered a heart attack on the ice. Monday, October 18th, Municipal Election Day. Joining us to provide some insight into the race for the top job in Calgary is Dwayne Bratt, Professor of Political Science at Mount Royal University. Hi, Dwayne. Hey, Sue. Long time no talk. Great to chat with you. Uh, You as well. What are we seeing right now in the polls? Do they tell us more than a little bit of the numbers that we actually see? Uh, I think they did, they go beyond the numbers and they show that while there may be 27 candidates on the ballot, it's really narrowed down to, to two, uh, Jeremy Farkas and Jyoti uh, Gondek. Uh, despite the efforts of, of Jeff Davison, uh, of some of the non-council people like Brad Field and, and Jan Demery, they really haven't been able to uh, to penetrate. No, they are on the ballot, Dwayne. Oh, but yeah. do you but do you expect any to drop out? Maybe throw their support behind another candidate. How does that work with a they're, municipal they're starting, election? They're starting to run out of time. That has happened in the past. I mean, the ballots are already printed. Mm-hmm. We actually had, you know, federally uh, a liberal candidate who was <laughs> thrown out of the party remained on the ballot right. and, and won. Uh, and uh, causing all sorts of controversy. So we did have in in 2010 Wayne Stewart and Bob Hawksworth say they were pulling out. You know, please vote for the head Nancy. But there were still people who chicked off uh, Wayne Stewart and yeah. Bob Hawksworth's name. Do you do you think we'll see that? Do you expect? No, that? I think they're I think they're out of time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the, the time to have done that would have been before the Thanksgiving weekend. Okay. Um, let's talk about PACs and accusations about candidates illegally accepting funds from third parties, for example. Is this a real problem? Is this become sort of an American issue that we have in Canada? And is it wrong for a candidate to accept donations from a third party like a labor union, for example? Uh, well, we, we have banned uh, that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, we we banned corporate, we banned union donations. Uh, but in the process, we created these political action committees, um, third party advertisers. They they can spend money, but they're not supposed to coordinate uh, with uh, with campaigns. And the problem that the Davison campaign in particular got is that they were being given signs <laughs> by one of these groups. Well, that sounds like a donation. Uh, in in kind, and it, as soon as we brought in um, uh, campaign finance reform back in 2015, provincially, and we extended some of that municipally, that's when these groups started to to emerge because money 
is like water. It just flows. And uh, they, they found a, a, a way of doing that. And uh, we haven't been able to to stop the, the influence of, of corporate money and of, of union donations. And what about political parties backing candidates? I can speak to in Ward 3 where I am. We Apparently, I keep seeing this all over our social media groups in the community, that there are you know political parties behind some of these candidates. Is that unusual? No, that's not unusual. You'll uh, we don't have party politics municipally in in Calgary. There are cities that do. We're not one of them, but you do have candidates that tie themselves uh, to a party. It's usually the conservatives, and you'll see you know blue signs that really mimic the federal conservative party with the expression "your conservative candidate." Uh, we do see party workers working on behalf of candidates because they're volunteers and they volunteer with one group and then they volunteer with the other. You'll have candidates post pictures of themselves with prominent, uh, particularly conservatives in, in this city. Uh, so none of that is, uh, is unusual. The difference is when voters go to the polling station, it just lists the name. Whereas in provincial and municipal campaigns, you've got that party label right after their name and so you don't even have to recognize the the candidate you just recognize the party Mm -hmm. in this case they still have to do a lot more work to to bring in you know the linkage between party and and candidate and quick question does negative campaigning we've certainly heard that in this municipal election is that something that we've heard in the past it seems more prevalent and and it feels very american sometimes yeah, no. I mean, we 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 like to use you know. Oh my God, you know, we're we're above that. Uh, how how dare uh, you know American style politics come in? But there's negative campaigning that occurs all, all the all the time. Um, and uh, you know, we there's this mythology about what a positive and strong campaign the Nietzsche team ran in 2010. Well, ask Barb Higgins that. Mm. <laughs> you know, ask some of the the behavior that they they sent towards Higgins. And so, I mean, Farkas has been running a negative campaign against City Hall, mm-hmm. against Nenshi, and against Nenshi supporters for for years. And now you're seeing sort of the reverse, where it's the the anti Farkas vote. Um, and where does it consolidate? It looks like it's now consolidating around Jody Gondek. And some of the, the forums did get much more electric over the last 10 days, which tells you we're close to Election Day. It's been a fascinating run up to Election Day for sure. Monday, October 18th. That's the day we go to the polls officially. Thank you so much for joining us, Dwayne. Appreciate it. Okay, you're welcome, Sue. Take care. That's Dwayne Bratt, Professor of Political Science at Mount Royal University. And just a reminder, uh, we have the Decision Calgary program running. It is municipal election coverage on Monday right here on 770 CHQR, running from 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. commercial free. Tune in for Decision Calgary as we head to the polls on Monday. Yesterday, the Alberta government announced a $125,000 in scholarships going to be awarded to women pursuing a career in STEM. Of course, science technology, engineering, and mathematics. Joining us with all the details is Minister Whitney Isaac, Associate Minister of Status of Women. Good morning to you, Minister. Thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. I love Thanks this. for having me. I think this is so important. I'm glad we get a chance to talk about it and make sure that everybody knows that this is available. So uh, let's talk about STEM fields, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics here in Alberta. Uh, how crucial are they in continuing uh, the success of our province and, and even furthering it down the road? 
It's it's absolutely critical. You know, we know that uh, here in Alberta, we need to diversify our economy. And of course, you know, that diversification is going to happen on the backbone of our traditional industries of, you know, agriculture, oil and gas and, and other fields. And in order to be able to, to accomplish that diversification, we actually need science, technology, engineering, mathematics to be able to actually accomplish that diversification. So um, it's critical for our future. And um, it's critical for folks to be able to have good paying um, um, employment. Mm -hmm. So a total of 125,000, each successful applicant will get 2,500. So Mm -hmm. who is eligible for these scholarships exactly? So women are eligible. Um, Previously, uh, women under 30 were eligible, but we've removed the age limit. And I'll tell you why. You know, we have a lot of uh, women in in, uh, Alberta who, uh, you know, over the last number of years, uh, we've seen some consolidation, particularly in oil and gas. And as a result, we're, um, you know, we've got women who are looking for employment in a new industry. And um, so this is going to to, uh, make sure that uh, the scholarship's available to women who are, um, you know, looking to reskill and upskill. And so that's pretty exciting. It really is. Why, just kind of give us an idea in your view and in the government's, why it's important to support women particularly pursuing careers in these STEM fields and in in tech specifically? Well, um, you know, if you look at the number of uh, STEM scholars that we've got right now, you know, students in STEM, there's about... um, 50,000, 49,000 and change. And of that 49,000 and change, 30% are women. And then when you look at the employment in the STEM field, it, that, that number drops to 25%. So clearly we want you know, women to, to uh, have fulfilling careers in whatever, whatever field that they choose. But this, you know, because this is going to be so important to our future economy, we really need to be able to um, make sure that there's there's women are uh, in the field, succeeding in the field, studying in the field, and so that's why we're trying to support this. Okay, uh, you know, I want to give a little plug, Minister, to your social media accounts. Uh, the uh, you know, I know you're talking and focusing a lot through this week about exciting women in STEM and different news, uh, you know, beyond this one. So, uh, are you sharing other sort of great stories and that sort of thing on social media accounts for the status of women? Um, for the Minister of Status of Women? We are. And um, also, you know, um, we're, we're sharing stories. But, you know, it's conversations like this that are so important. And it's important that, that uh, women out in the field are, are, are having these conversations. And, you know, and I'll do a little plug here as well that uh, we now have a new charter school here in Calgary operating the grade 7 to 9 that's completely focused on STEM. So there's some really exciting um, educational opportunities uh, going on out there. And and I'm really uh, looking forward to seeing women really, really succeeding in these fields. Minister, how do people get more information if they want to find out about these scholarships? Well, you can just uh, go to alberta.ca and um, just go to the Status of Women website and you'll be able to, our Status of Women page, mm-hmm. and you'll be able to find all the details. The uh, scholarship is open for application until December 31st. And I'm really um, excited and hoping that uh, a lot of women will really um, apply early mm-hmm. and uh, that we'll be able to get them uh, studying as quickly as possible. Fantastic. Great initiative. Thanks so much for joining us. 
Thank you. Appreciate it. That is Minister Whitney Isaac, Associate Minister of Status of Women. Again, you can go to alberta.ca and then link up with the Status of Women page on that website to find out more about these STEM uh, scholarships as we uh, are celebrating Women in STEM Week here in Alberta. Has the pandemic made you consider a career change? Well, the Professional Institute for the Public Service has announced the Future Skills Center, or FSC. It's aimed at helping public servants gain the skills they will need to thrive within a changing labor market. With all the details, we are joined this morning by Chief Operating Officer Edward Gillis. Hi, Eddie. How are you? Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Let's First of all, just uh, what encompasses the public service? What are we talking about here? What What industries? Uh, well, we're talking about the uh, the federal public sector in this case. Mm-hmm. So uh, any uh, any person uh, who works in a professional capacity in the public service, we have about 70,000 members across the country, about 3,500 in Alberta, 1,400 in Calgary, uh, all in professional endeavors. And, and that's the... Um, uh, that's the focus of this project. I'd make one small clarification. Uh, our project isn't the Future Skills Center. The Future Skills Center is the organization that is funding the development of our platform. Okay, perfect. So let's talk about the labor needs and how things have changed during the pandemic then. Well, it's uh, it, it's probably a phenomenon that, that's been ongoing for many years. Uh, we've always had automation, technological change, that sort of thing impacting the way we work. But the pandemic has really accelerated all of those changes. So we're seeing a, a, a greatly increased pace of change uh, in workplaces across the world. The money then that's going in, so this uh, Future Skills Centre contributing $2.5 million over the next three years to help professional public servants get skills that they need to thrive. What kind of skills are we talking in terms of upgrading what they might already have? Well, uh, when you look at all of the um, all of the studies around how uh, automation, uh, artificial intelligence, etc., is changing uh, the, the nature of work, what we find is that most jobs have elements or, or tasks that are easily automated. And so we're not really... Uh, forecasting a massive labor disruption in terms of lost jobs, but we're going to see uh, that that easily repeatable jobs are going to be automated, whereas those jobs that are more human, if I can say it that way, mm-hmm. uh, that have more requirement for the kind of um, uh, skills that only humans can bring, those will be the more valued skills going forward. So this project is about uh, helping our members understand that they need to upskill in those areas where maybe they haven't uh, haven't already um, uh, started that process. So we're talking about uh, not just uh, technical digital literacy. Of course, is 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 primary in, uh, in in career success going forward. But but there's a lot more recognition that professional skills, sometimes called social and emotional skills, are are more and more important. Uh, to employers, and that's simply because these are the human skills that uh, uh, that can't be replicated by machine. And so it's those. It's a combination of both the technical and the professional skills that we're targeting. Have you heard from people in the public service that are looking and and think uh, you know f- you know forward thinking that they maybe need to transition into a new career? Or are you helping them sort of get to the point where they realize there may be changes that need to come moving forward? It's a bit of both. Um, you know, the, the language we use is reskilling and upskilling. Reskilling is moving to a different job. Upskilling is upgrading your skills within the job that you have. 
Uh, and so um, our project aims primarily at upskilling, uh, but it also will prepare uh, our members to be able to examine their own skill sets now to examine what kind of jobs will be more uh, prevalent in the future and to, and to help them chart a path from where they are to where they want to be. In other words, helping them meet their own career aspirations. Now, things have changed dramatically in our province here in Alberta. It's been a difficult time. The pandemic just worsened things, really. So what about people who maybe want to transition into the public service? Will you be able to help them out as well? Well, not necessarily through this project, but the, the public service is a, is a wonderful place to work, and, uh, and it does great work for Canadians. Uh, when you just take a look at the, at the pandemic response, it was, it was public service workers that rose to the challenge uh, around getting the CERB out to those who needed it, around the approval of vaccines. Our members are at the front lines in that uh, race to approve vaccines. So it's a, it's a, it's a great place to work. And uh, as Canada grows, there is more need for, uh, for um, uh, uh, employees in the public service. So we're hoping that, um, uh, that um, once inside, we can help them develop. And so uh, that's, the, that's the focus of the project. What's, what kind of jobs might we be looking at for public service positions here in Calgary or in Alberta as a whole? Well, in, it's interesting. In Calgary, we have a, um, we have a, uh, a large group of professional accountants uh, who work in the Harry Hayes building uh, uh, for CRA. Mm-hmm. And uh, accounting is one of those professions you'd think, oh, well, that's not going to be affected by any of this. And in fact, it's, uh, as studies have shown that, that professional accounting is one of the areas that's really going to be impacted because of the ability to automate some of the, uh, some of the skills involved in, uh, in accounting. Uh, and so uh, we'll be taking a uh, we're going to take a, a broad look across the workforce to say these kind of skills will serve you in, in any capacity, uh, and we'll take a look at individual professions like accounting uh, and and help them understand what are the forces that are shaping the way the accounting profession uh, moves forward. But we do have members across Alberta in a wide variety of. Uh, of professions and occupations, our our union represents probably all um, oh, dozens and dozens of uh, of occupations, and so we'll be able to help people uh, who want to um, who want to generally upskill and to be able to look at their own uh, particular profession and say what are the impacts, what are the forces shaping the future of this profession, and how do I uh, position myself to um, to survive and to thrive. Well, we know to handle any future crises, deal with the rapidly changing workplace. Canada definitely needs a well-trained public service. This program will help get people there. Thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate your time this morning, Eddie. Thanks so much. Much appreciated. Bye now. Eddie Gillis, CEO of the Professional Institute for the Public Service. So it might be something you want to look into. If you go online, it's uh, pipsc.ca. Pips. C.ca. Uh, speaking of jobs, by the way, uh, I spotted this that I'd share with you. If you are, in fact, looking for work, perhaps you've had to transition out, you've lost your job. I know that's happened a lot to a lot of folks through the pandemic, but Walmart Canada is hiring 12,000 new and permanent jobs across the country. They are calling it a major hiring push for the upcoming, what they expect to be a busy holiday season. So this might be something for you. Uh, according to Walmart, they're hosting a special national hiring event 
on October 14th. That would be today and tomorrow. So 1 to 8 p.m. today and tomorrow in stores and distribution fleet centers across the country. If you're interested, you can just walk into a local store, apply and be interviewed right on the spot. So Walmart Canada, one of Canada's largest employers, they've got more than 100,000 associates working across our country. And they say they also offer a tuition reimbursement program, customized training, education opportunities, and a work environment where individuals can thrive. So might be an option for you as well to check out your local Walmart if something uh, if that's something that appeals to you and you're looking for a new place to work. Well, they had just put a plan in place in case someone had a health emergency while playing beer league hockey. And days later, it happened. Joining us now is Bob Church, one of the men who sprang into action when a fellow hockey player suffered a heart attack on the ice. Good morning, Bob. Thanks for joining me. Good morning, Sue. Thanks so much. Uh, let's back up a little bit. Tell us, first of all, why you'd had this discussion and, and what your plan was. Well, it was the catalyst behind it was a few weeks earlier, prior to you know starting the skating season, uh, another player of, on the team and myself are members at a golf club in Calgary, and we had a very similar incident happen. Uh, it was a choking incident. Uh, the fellow uh, was in very dire uh, medical distress, and it was interesting to watch the response from the general group uh, that was there. There were probably 50, 60 uh, folks in the clubhouse when it happened. We were lucky to have a couple of doctors there who jumped in, and we, you know, they saved the man's life without question. So it really prompted us to decide we'd better put a bit of a preparedness plan in place for the hockey team as well. So you had a discussion, and, and what kind of plan did you put together? And, I mean, most people, you know, I think don't really know exactly what to do. Most people have not been trained for this sort of thing. Well, and that was it. You know, first the first thing we did was really a fellow on the team named Jason Miller and myself had the conversation. And, and Jason, interestingly enough, had recently been recertified for work uh, for, you know, full responsiveness in a situation like this. So we started chatting and said, you know, we need a, just a basic plan to understand how what should ha- what we should do if anybody ever goes down or there's a medical situation. So we chatted actually over the course of three or four ice times with the group in general and said, you know, here's the basic plan. And, you know, first of all, we polled, is anybody trained other than Jason? And, and a few of us have had training, but we're all stale and many years, yeah. you know, removed. So uh, it became really clear. We just needed the basic plan. What happens if something does happen on the ice? So we identified in our home rink where the AED was, what the first step would be, which is, you know, immediately call 911, uh, players kind of jump into action, get the AED in, in play, make sure they have uh, know where the entrances and exits are for the emergency folks, have somebody manning those entrances and exits, uh, you know, who's going to, you know, grab blankets, do all those basic things. So we talked about it, and, and in our home rink, we're very comfortable with what we would do and who would do what and where we would go, um, you know. And, and so we had that plan in place for our home rink, but certainly not for a visiting rink. So what happened? You, you had somebody who was on the opposing team but suffered a heart attack right in front of you all. And did, did everybody just naturally spring into action then because you'd had a ch- conversation about it? 
I, I would say yes. Uh, certainly our team responded pretty quickly. So, so several folks on the team, you know, jumped into action. Jason witnessed the, the entire event. So he was immediately on the ice and began, started attending to the, to the fellow. Um, myself and another uh, player from the other team ran to look for the AED. And because we were in a strange rink, I didn't know where it was. Right. The other player didn't know where it was. So, uh, but luckily enough, uh, we found there were three young trainers from the Buffalo's Hockey Association that were at the rink, uh, apparently doing concussion protocol with one of the double or triple A teams. And so when we, you know, went into the hallway, we, you know, looking for the AED, we immediately ran into them. So I said, you know, we said, can you come help? We need help. Where's the AED? Uh, one of the three jumped up, ran and got the AED, knew where it was. And the other two, uh, you know, ran into the rink and began working on the fellow with Jason. Great reminder to all of us, really, that y- you need to know where that emergency equipment is. And, and just even a conversation about a plan means that when something does go wrong, people have an idea of what to do and, and everybody's kind of not standing around staring at each other. So thank goodness that, that you and your teammates had had that discussion. It kind of serendipitous, isn't it, in the end? Oh, very, very much so. Um, you know, I, it was very, you know, heartening to see the response from, from folks. You know, the people that weren't involved got out of the way. Uh, the people that were involved, uh, you know, took on their duties, stepped back, let the professionals deal with the situation, you know, i.e. the trainers from the Buffaloes, but were there to help. Um, you know, some of the fellows immediately went to, all, you know, we called 911, of course, got them on the phone, stayed on the phone, talked them through what was happening. Uh, You know, a a number of the fellows ran and, and, you know, kind of manned the doors to help the emergency folks when they arrived, uh, you know, escort them to where the problem was. Um, You know, the gentleman was in clear distress. So uh, it was good to see, you know, people jump to action and, you know, everybody sort of played their roles. And in in my opinion, clearly saved the man's life. Obviously, yeah. I mean, being prepared, it can save a life, whether it's yours or someone else's. Thank you for sharing this with us, Bob. Really appreciate it this morning. Sure. And and I would like to just emphasize the trainers from the Buffaloes were incredibly uh, helpful and give them full credit for uh, jumping in, taking charge, and and performing, uh, you know, because the AED had to be deployed, the AED had to be used. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a couple underlying messages are there. Even if you don't have the training, get that AED. It self-instructs throughout the whole incident. It was saying perform CPR, perform CPR, you know, clear, you know, uh, hit the button, yeah. you know, know shock. Where, know where it is. It's it's really, it is key, right. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Bob, so much appreciated. And, uh, you know, you, you no doubt saved a life. Thank you for joining yeah. us. Thank you, Sue. Appreciate it. Bob Church, yeah. beer league hockey player and uh, lifesaver. Just know the plan and, and have a plan in place. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.